you know they've, they've seen these programs they've read the articles you know investment looks looks sexy so we'll we'll go for it and yeah i mean my, my first question to any client looking for investment is just why from GoFounder, it's business knobs why is it called business knobs you might ask well there might well be a few knobs on the podcast me being one of them but what it stands for is business no bullshit This podcast series is all about the trials, tribulations, and occasional successes of starting and growing a business without the Hollywood filter. I'm Eddie Whittingham, and today I'm joined by Martin Raftery, where we chat about the ins and outs of startup funding. In the startup community, getting funding is often seen as a benchmark of success. You'll often see news articles about ex-startup achieving investment from venture capitalists, securing a Series A round, or getting some whacking great investment in their company. And things like Dragon's Den seem to just promote that getting funding is the only way to success. But it's not. Funding isn't for everyone. In fact, a lot of time it's actually not needed at all. You you can say you want half a million pound, but you know, let's let's look at you know who are you actually going to take on for that. You know, where where are you actually going to start generating revenue, and do you actually need that much money? Martin is the founder of Agency CFO, a Manchester-based accounting practice for marketing and tech businesses. As a founder himself, and working within the funding-focused tech scene, Martin has a great insight into startup funding: the good, the bad, and the ugly. You said I think people seem to be chasing it a lot rather than in some cases chasing revenue and that tends to lead to them developing the product or over developing before they've actually tested the market whereas the ones who just go out get version one of their product out there seem to get further along them than those other people it's weird though isn't it because i've seen this from when i started i very naively came into starting a business um literally after it sounds my own experience was probably dragon's den so that's like already a bit of an obsession there with investment and then started an accelerated program and again just a massive focus on investment and i was kind of like oh do i need do i need to go get investment because i'm trying to make i'm trying to make money here <laughs> but maybe i need to go get investment and that's the real way to get a scalable business for example but it's a weird obsession isn't it it's just seen as cool yeah i think dragon's den has made it seem cool you know let's go and get someone involved in my business but people don't tend to think of the the other side of it of you know what happens if you do get investment you know you've effectively got someone who's your boss yeah you've got someone who wants to be in your business quite a lot you know and for some people the reason they they left their last job was because they didn't want a boss anymore they wanted to be their own boss yeah which was largely what i did and the the idea of building something on your own and then suddenly being accountable because that's what it is. It is a boss, isn't it? You know, and people think it's not, but it's a boss. You've got someone who you need to report to and show what you've been doing and they'll be going to, hopefully, or they should be asking you hard questions unless they're an extremely passive investor. Um, yeah, and that's 100% the downside to it, isn't it? Because people just think... Do you think it's just because it has a bit of a sex appeal, though, doesn't it? Because Dragon's Den, for one. But you see it in the news all the time. It's like, we've raised x million we've done y million series a series b blah 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 but i don't know we don't see the same headlines about turnover or profit more no. importantly yeah now it is just seen as a badge of honor in, in especially in the in the startup and tech industries 
that you know we've got we've raised investment aren't we great let's all go and celebrate but you know it's great that you've got a few months cash flow but you've not really done anything else no you know you've not shown that your product can can actually you know solve problems necessarily you've just shown that you can get someone to pay you some money yeah and i see it time and time again where they do exactly that they've got a product and it's typically over-engineered if they've had too much cash so um really interesting when i started there was another company who had investment and we were literally the same we probably started within six months of each other roughly and i i didn't have investment um no particular i did try and get investment and i got laughed at um rightly so as well but it didn't get them much further which is what amazed me and it obviously didn't get them much further because obviously my business got acquired but it's that so i don't know it's just that idea of getting it but the idea of getting it takes so long and so much of a distraction to the business because i i always equate getting investment is a full-time job it is, really, isn't it? It is, yeah. And you could be spending that time going out, getting clients, getting them to use your product, and there's no better feedback for a product than someone who's using it. And someone who can say, you know, if you take on half a dozen initial clients and just say, test it, tell us what's wrong with it, and we'll fix it. And there's no better way of improving your business than, than that. And you could be spending your time doing that instead of chasing 100%. investors. Yeah, 100%. It's, um, yeah, I, I don't fully get it. It's like, I'm not, I'm not against investment. You know, obviously there's a there's a point to it and a need to it. Um, but like, for example, because I always equate it to my own situation, I could have got investment, but by doing so, I'd have taken on effectively a boss, which meant I'd have enjoyed my, my job, in inverted commas, less. I'd have had more, probably more onus on it being a success rather than what I was focused at the time was trying to make a really good product. Um, but interestingly, I think the thing that, is often misunderstood is i could have got investment and i could have grown the business arguably bigger possibly maybe who knows might have wasted it probably would have wasted a lot of it because you do that's the other side of it, isn't it yeah but the exit would have been less valuable to me so therefore if i'd have given away 30 percent or whatever yeah then the sale of the business would need to be at least 30 percent more than what it was to get the same money out whereas I did it without a boss. So it's yeah. like, it's got a, if you are getting investment, you, you really need to know it's going to scale much, much more than just a little bit, don't you? As that, yeah. as that sounds. And, and the flip side of that as well is that when people are chasing investment, they're always thinking, you know, what can we do to show our business as being great for these investors? But you've also got to think, what can these investors bring to us? You know, what value can they add? You know, can that 30% on top be added? You know, can they, can they do that? Mm. You know, have they got the, you know, the connections and things like that in our, in our network? And too often businesses are just chasing investment because they need the cash. And because they need the cash desperately, they'll take anyone. Get the wrong investor. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So actually, rather than getting the value in someone coming on board who's not just going to give you the cash, because that's a good point, actually. There are, there are different investors, aren't there? So you have your passive ones, which are literally just give the cash, don't give a shit. Yeah. They're typically the ones who've already got probably too much money, for argument's sake. Yeah. Um. I don't, I personally don't think I'd want one of them, really. Mm. Flip side being, you'll have less of a boss because they'll give less of a shit. But if they give, give less of a shit, I think you're probably going to waste it a bit, yeah. if I'm honest. Yeah. I see that loads in the startup community. Yeah. People taking on investment and then they just spend it on yeah. 
gulf. But but if they do that, then there should have been a step, a few steps back, which is what I help my clients to do is to look at what they actually can spend the money on. Yeah. You know, you can say you want half a million pound, but you know, let's let's look at, you know, who are you actually going to take on for that? You know, where where are you actually going to start generating revenue? And do you actually need that much money? Because you're going to be giving X amount of your business away for it when you you might just have cash sat in the bank. Yeah. Yeah, that's quite a frightening concept, the idea of giving away equity, which, you know, I always say is precious equity. You can't grow any more of it. That is literally, you know, keep keep hold of as much as you can as long as you can. If you've got cash in the bank, Christ, you need to you need to use the cash first. Yeah. Do you think there's ever a danger I have seen, and I, I dare say I'll continue to see, is people take investment and then they're not actually risking their money. Um, and I think that in some cases, a lot of cases, can demotivate demotivate them. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, it's OPM, other people's money. Mm. You know, they're not, they're not. You know, they're invested in their own business, but they're not. You know, if it was if it was their fifty grand sat in the bank, they'd usually be doing a hell of a lot more to yeah. do something with it. Where the, whereas it's someone else's, you know, let's let's spend it on a few things, see what works, and you know, if we waste, you know, half of it, then who cares? It's not ours. Yeah, that's what always makes me nervous to want to invest in people as well, as that yeah. as it sounds. Because you know, I'm I'm open to investment um, and investing in companies, but I don't really like the thought of them pissing my money up the wall quite yeah. frankly yeah that's it um, as, as i openly probably would have done had i have got the investment that i was asking for when i was asking for because i asked for like 200 grand yeah and uh, it was pre-revenue um and it, like i said earlier he rightfully laughed in my face but because if he'd have given me that i would have honestly just spunked it hence why i probably should have spoken to someone like you at the time <laughs> might have had a better chance but yeah i think because i didn't have investment i had everything you know, every every hundred quid I spent was like really thought out. And yeah, you have to try things for sure and you make mistakes. Yeah. yeah. But I had to go, well, do you know what? Look, is that is it realistic or is it in the realms of possibility that if I spend five hundred quid on that thing, it's gonna make five hundred quid. Yeah. If it's not even in the realms of possibility, it's an immediate no. Yeah. And even then, just kind of quantifying and asking the questions as to whether it's gonna be worth it or not. But if you're going to become an investor in businesses, you need to be asking these questions of those of business owners because people invest in people. And whether you've got a product or not, it's still the people running the business. Yeah, It's still the people making the decisions. So you've got to make sure as an investor that you're investing in the right people that you know are similar-minded to, to you in that, in that respect. You must have seen quite a few businesses where good business idea, but shit people. Yeah, or not necessarily shit people, just not the right people to run that business. You know, it's a great, great idea. You know, they've got, you know, clearly going places, but either it's not them that should be running it or they need help. They need someone to be sat maybe above them, you know, in kind of a non-exec capacity who can help them. Yeah. You can steer them in the right direction. You know, they might be good at one area. You know, they might be good at marketing, for example, or or generating leads, but but as an overall business owner, they're not. You know, you know, they're not fully suited to it. Yeah, and 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 I and again, I think um, if I look at my own experience, I think I could see that in my own business. I was getting to a point where I was like, I've done it. I've done really well to grow from startup to to the revenue I was at, but to get to the next level, sure, you can learn it, and I and I was happy to have a good go. But mm. you start to need expertise that or someone who's got that experience who's done it. I think. Yeah. 
because um, there are different stages out there. You know, you might have your complete startup and your ideas. That's very different to then running a company that turns over a million quid and, yeah. the, and you're trying to get to 10 million. Yeah, but what you often see is businesses getting those kind of people too early as well. Yeah. So oh. getting a non-exec, you know, straight away and spending X amount of money a month when they don't need it. No, uh, this, this is actually something that really gets on my tits. And this isn't because they are bad per se. So non-exec directors and business coaches, I'm not saying that they are all bad. Absolutely not. There are obviously bad ones, of course there are. But it's it's that mentality of, you know, you've got a fucking company turning over a grand a month and then they're spending £800 on a fucking coach. It's like, are you on drugs? What are you doing? It's a waste of money, in it? Yeah, 100%. You've got, like, fair enough, get to a stage where you can get that advice on board. But, but yeah, in those early days, particularly... Oh, so much wasted money that yeah you're paying someone to tell you what you already know you need to do a lot of the time agree it's like yeah they might prompt you on a couple of things and probably hold you accountable but get someone like me get an accountant to hold you sure. accountable or a mate you know, for a fraction or a or mate some, yeah. you know someone else in business can hold you accountable exactly um because I, I you know I, I speak to a lot of uh, people who are either starting up or in the early stages and you know they want a bit of advice and they're like when i talk to them I'm not actually saying anything rocket science. And I'm doing it for free, by the way. Yeah. Um, but it, it it pains me to think that, God, they could be paying someone for this advice. And it's like, some of it's not rocket science. It's just like soundboarding. Yeah. And they could do the same soundboarding with someone else who's got a business. You know, just because someone's had success doesn't mean that they're going to be the best soundboard for you. It could just be a mate who's also got a business or whatever it might be. That's it. Oh, yeah. Um, but people who are just in the same shoes or like you said like your accountant like that's a good person to soundboard with because they've seen it and done it and got experience of the other clients who are also facing those same problems that's it yep but yeah yeah i see a lot of wasted money with account um, <laughs> not with accountants <laughs> some yeah. some actually yeah <laughs> uh, probably been there actually um but yeah with with non-execs and uh, coaches for sure like uh, it, again we took on a we i'm using the royal we i took yeah. on a um sort of kind of a non-exec um sort of like an outsourced chief marketing officer um and it was it was an expense a big expense for the business at the time but we was already up and running we already had five members of staff yeah and it was a tactical strategic play and i looked at the value or the perceived value of what i could get from that relationship and i was like yeah actually that's a that's a sensible investment because mm. i i needed that knowledge to get me to a different level than than what i was at yep and obviously I had the conversations at the time with friends and my missus and business owners. And it was like, well, John, this is a calculated risk that we can afford. Yeah. Would I have done that from day one? Would I fuck? Because it had been a complete waste of money. Exactly. Yeah. And it's what I say as well about, you know, scaling up the services I offer. You, there'll be a trigger point with, yeah. with clients that, you know, I won't go in from day one and do the full service. But when they reach a certain size, when they've got a certain, you know, when they're at a certain revenue, when they've got a certain number of, of employees, they get to a stage where you know that they need more from you. Yeah. Just like they'll get to a stage where you know they probably need someone there next to them as a non-exec. Yeah. But like you said, not from day one. No. What? Uh, so what's, what do you think is a good trigger point for someone needing a non-exec, would you say? I think when you sort of get into the stage where you're looking at hiring a management team, for right. example. So, you know, you can probably wing it to a certain extent so you get to sort of 10 to 15 people and yep. then at that kind of size you're thinking I'm, i need to start building people around me to to manage everything i want to step away as the business owner i want to step away from the the day-to-day -day. and for a lot of people that's that's difficult and you know it is difficult mm. it's tough and that's where having a sounding board and someone you can just ring get on the end of the phone to and say you know what you know what are your thoughts about this 
and it's at that size of business, I think, as well, where you you both start to lose control of things. Yeah. Um, but you're probably also reluctant to release some of that control, relinquish it. You need to, and that's when you need, like, like say, your management team to get your heads of of the different parts of your business in place. Yeah. And they just report to you, and you do less of the doing. Yeah. But I think people struggle, as again, probably, you know, as I did, um, to let go sometimes because because you are used to doing everything. You used to being the head of every department, aren't you? Yeah, and ultimately it's your baby. You know, you've built this. You've built this business. You know, there's a lot of you know you're, you're very precious about the different areas and yeah relinquishing that control is is tough but you need to do it if you, well i mean you don't have to do it you no, can stay at that size yeah, forever exactly you know, you know some i know some great kind of what you would term as a lifestyle business that you know they're happy staying at that size you know paying 15 to 20 people's mortgages every month you know a great great brand you know they're happy at that to do that but if you want to go to the next level then you need to be stepping away yeah 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 100 and, and, and again you know when i was building mine and selling mine my sale came out of the blue, whereas in hindsight, if I were to go back in time, I should have probably looked earlier to get some of that in place. Yeah, um, easy said because obviously I didn't expect the sale to come when it did, but it would have it would have made my life easier and probably increased the value a bit. Yeah, but I bet at the time you were thinking that's potentially a huge expense. Correct. Though, well, you know, uh, yeah, and. Yeah. You know, and the risk and, and, and everything like that, you know, what happens if, you know, I bring someone in and it don't work and I lose clients or, you know, the value of my business is going to be eroded. There is, there is, there are those risks, but you've got to take them. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. To get to those different levels you do, don't you? And, and, and there's no right answer, is there? Absolutely. No. So you can, you can take on a non-exec, but they might be fucking useless, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, or they might just be a bad fit. They might be good for someone else, but bad fit for you. Yeah. I, in the early days, um, I sort of had an unofficial mentor. Um, and I say unofficial because after a, a few months of helping, in inverted commas, with some very obvious things um, that I didn't really need him for, he then wanted paying uh, two and a half grand a month and 10% of my business to give, just to give advice. And I was like, fuck off. There's so much of that in yeah. the startup community, isn't there, as well? Like people who are preying on almost your vulnerability, I think. Yeah. Because a lot of startup owners, it might be the, f- the first venture or yeah. the first one that they think is going to take off. So they, they don't know what they don't know. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it shouldn't happen, but it, but it does. I, I was quite lucky there, though, because he hadn't started the business that he was doing well into. Same sector, and the business was flying. But he wasn't one of the founders. He was like, you know, first kind of employee in the door. Yeah. So he did have, obviously, loads to learn, I'm sure. But at the time, I was like, well you didn't start that business and so you came in when it already had like you know x million investment yeah so for me i was like you're not gonna be able to help a tin pot startup like mine with with fuck all in the bank scale you're gonna be good at the level when i've got loads of money to burn because that's what you've done and yeah so that's really i guess what warned me away from it in the end uh, and you know what attempts at my business and you want to do now um but yeah i think it's 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 an easy trick to fall into yeah. giving, giving again it's giving equity away for, for cheap isn't it for free yeah. and there would have been many people in your situation who would have yeah felt for it and would have thought yeah do you know what you know i i, I don't know you know i don't know i don't know any better so I'll, I'll go for it and well and similarly i had a setup with the the chief sort of my or the outsource chief back up to where it's going to be he was going to get x equity if we hit certain milestones um but only if we were still working together um and we weren't on track to hit some of the milestones because 
obviously I deliberately put them punchy because yep. that's the whole point. You do, um, yeah. Um, but yeah, got to the stage with the relationship, I was like, I don't think we're getting enough value out of what we're paying you. So we, we called it quits and it was fine. He, he had a nice little payday for the time he was working with us. We got the value we needed to and it did help us grow. We didn't quite hit the the optimistic uh, sort of targets that we hoped in, in order to release a little, you know, and I do say a little bit of equity to him, but that was fine. Again, it was a win-win for me. I didn't lose anything from doing that. No. Um, spent some money, but it was relatively well spent. Yeah, and you knew when to call it a day as well. Yeah, and that's another one, isn't it? Because I think yeah, you know, if people are listening and they're thinking about getting a non-exec or they've got an non-exec, don't have to be forever. You're not married to them. No. Um, just make it a footloose and fancy-free ar- arrangement to be honest. Yeah, you'll get you'll get some value out of it for maybe a couple of years, maybe a little bit less, but there'll be, a, again, a point where, you know, you'll think, I can probably, you know, I, I could have done this on my own. You know, yeah. I, I know, you know, you'll, you'll get enough knowledge and experience off them that there'll be a, a point where you can part ways or find someone else yeah. who's, you know, maybe a little bit further along the journey or in your, in your industry, yeah. you know, someone a bit more relevant to your business. And that's it because you need to change, don't they? So like, you know, realistically the advice i could give someone would very much be idea implementation early growth yeah and probably an early exit would you come to me if you wanted advice how to go from one to ten million no because i've not done that yeah it's about finding people with the right skills in it yeah that's it and you can see in certain as kind of the constant all the way through as the accountant i love it when new people come in because i know i'm going to get challenged i know i'm going to get asked questions i know we're going to be improving yeah, as well because true. you know things get stuck in the rut you know you, you you know you build forecast templates and things like that and it just it just ticks over and then someone new comes in and, and challenges the norm so and it's, it's poking, great yeah it's poking great. holes yeah that's yeah. the point isn't it that's it i love it because that's what you know if they were going to build the business to sell someone who's acquiring that business is going to do a hundred times worse than that oh, so yeah. they're going to do more poking they're going to want to know every single thing about your business every line in your accounts so it's great know to get into that habit early on yeah so we talked we've talked quite a lot about some of the negative side of investment so what what are some of the positives that you've seen from from your your side of the fence so is that it's that the experience that investors bring a a great you know i'm you know i've 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 worked in accountancy for 10 years you know i've I've, to this date never had a client go all the way through to to sale of their business i've had some who've been acquired and, and merged into businesses but they've yep. never sold whereas these investors a lot of them have, have been there and done that so yep. that kind of advice can be invaluable to business owners and i guess for me as well it takes a bit of the pressure off me because you know most of my clients i'm their sounding board yeah. so when that investor comes on board they've got then got someone else who they can you get less phone calls yes <laughs> less phone calls less emails and yeah. And, and yeah I'm, I'm dealing with the investor a lot of the times as well and yeah, just the, you know, I've had some great advice from investors and my clients as well. You know, to me, as, as the accountant, I'm still still learning yeah. every day, you know, so. And, and we all are, aren't we? So, even, you know, and even your investor will still be learning because it might be his first investment, it might be his 10th, it might be his 100th, but it could be a completely different sector. It could be whatever it might be. They're yeah. still learning as well. Because that's the other thing. You shouldn't be afraid to push back against people with more expertise either. Yeah. You know, just because someone's done well or done all right or whatever, you know, don't mean the right. No, Christ, I'm making loads of mistakes on business that I'm working on right now because I don't know everything. Obviously, yeah, that's the point. That's why I enjoy it because I like the learning side of it. Hundred um, percent. What they all tend to bring that I find is is structure. Yeah, to that business. So yeah, yeah. 
they'll make them have monthly or quarterly board meetings. They'll make them get regular accounts, which, you know, as boring as it might sound, you need it. You do. You know, you yeah. need to know. And, and, and I think what's interesting is they, because they as an investor need it. Yeah. So it's, it's obviously an investment driven exercise. However, it's massively useful for a business owner. It's just that when you're by yourself and you haven't got a boss, you don't really care because you're only going to sit down and look at them by yourself a lot of the time if you're not yeah. careful, which doesn't have as much value as sitting down with an investor or yourself um, and going, right, what does that mean? Like, mm. actually, what does that mean for the next six months, 12 months, et cetera? And that's it. It's the bigger picture thing. So a lot of business owners, obviously, you get stuck in the day-to-day. You know, you're, you're in the business, you know, you're with, you're with your team helping yep. to build everything. An investor or, you know, you know, someone like that will just help you look at, you know, take a step back. What are we trying to achieve here? You know, when, you know, do we want to sell in 10 years? How's that looking? You know, what are the next big steps that we need to take rather than, than looking at the little ones day to day? Yeah. Yeah. It's something that I've said to a few people when they've sort of asked about like, oh, you know, thinking about exit, you it's, it's good to work backwards from yeah. because you need to know, you know, <laughs> the, the irony for me when people come and speak to me and say, oh, I'd love to exit a business, right? So you've got a product-based business. Well, to, to get a sale, to get a decent exit off, worth exiting, how many units are you going to have to shift a month? Oh, I don't know. Well, let's start there, eh? Yeah. <laughs> like, we need, you, need to, you need to know what, what revenue you've got to get to and your profit yeah. to get a, an, an exit worthwhile. Because if, you know, if you're going to exit for not a lot, there's no point. Yeah. So you're going to have to sell 20,000 of those fucking units a month. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah, shit. That's a lot of work to do. So let's, you know, work backwards from there. So don't get me wrong. Naivety is a nice thing sometimes. But if you are really genuinely passionate about like an exit, then you've got to be smarter, aren't you? Yeah, 100%. And you've got to plan for it Yeah, as well. And it, and it does, this is an accountant saying it, but it, it loves live, live outside the numbers as well. Yeah. So it's not just about revenue and profit 100%. because revenue can be made up of, you know, ninety percent one business. Yeah. So yeah, then you've yeah. not got a saleable business because if that if that company decides not to use you anymore, you know, you're yeah, done. You lose you lose pretty much all your business overnight. So it's about structuring that that revenue and you know, there's all different areas that, that And you're absolutely right. The value outside of um outside of revenue. And sometimes that can be a, a strategic sort of marketing place. So one of the things that again with my business we do with the chief marketing officer was we had a real focus on what was effectively the like the trust pilot but for for my niche yeah um and so we had like a three month drive of just absolutely blitzing that to get like an amazing reputation mm-hmm. so then the perception was fucking hell look at this trail blazing company that's absolutely ripping up and, and in yeah. fairness the, the reviews were all genuine um we just but we just put a real emphasis on speaking to our customers getting the reviews from them and put them on there. So yeah. they're all, it was all true, but because it was such a condensed period of time, it was like, we lit like a fire under it. So it, all of a sudden, like fucking hell, who's these guys? This like, obviously tin pot set up in Manchester, but who, who are these people? Yeah. But that was a deliberate action to get attention. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I think, you know, that that's a non-numbers related thing. It cost us absolutely nothing apart from a little bit of customer work in terms of, speaking to them and engaging with them yeah um but it had a huge impact on getting us noticed and and probably the value because the perceived value of our name at the time and things like that mm. um in our industry was 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 strong and worth something yeah yeah but you had a you knew exactly what you were targeting there yeah 
you know, you're targeting your current clients, let's get them to get reviews. A lot of businesses just don't have a clue who they're, who they're aiming at to start off with. No, no, that's true. And uh, where does where do they get the help with that from, do you think? Is that is that your non-exec or is that just is that just your experience? Is that just trial and error? I think a non-exec would help frame that yep. for them. But again, yeah, it's just, you know, pick pick an industry or pick a person that you want to target at and then and then go for it. Yeah. You know, you're never gonna you know, companies and business owners just tend to overthink these things and then nothing happens. So a lot yeah. of businesses don't do any any form of marketing themselves because they're overthinking things to the point where they don't even get version one of a campaign out. Yeah. Yeah, it's that um if it's seventy percent good enough, it's good enough kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah. Just just fucking get on with it. And that but that goes back to the whole sort of minimum viable product, getting the first version out there as quickly as possible that we always say. Yeah. And and you said earlier, is investment can be great and it can help make a great product, but you can just iterate and iterate and iterate. And and even personally speaking, I can talk about that. So go founder, uh online community for startups that I'm building. Because I've had a bit of money to put into it guess what i'm doing i'm iterating 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 because i think oh it needs to be really good i want it to be really you know i want people to be impressed mm. blah 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 but business-wise fucking stupid decision it should have been launched a year ago yeah in a a basic-ish format that wouldn't have been great but people would have still used blah 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 yeah and and so i've fallen victim of almost like almost like as if i was the investor in my own business really um so I can see why people so easily fall into that trap because mm. if someone gives you hundred grand, two hundred grand, you've got time. You don't. There's no pressure. You don't need to get clients. Oh no, let's just get this bit finished first. Yeah. Um, oh no, because the clients will be really impressed if this bit's ready. Well, no, just get out the fucking door, like you said. Get yeah. customers using it, and then they'll tell you what shit because you'll build something. As I'm a hundred percent definitely have done with GoFounder, I hasten to add mm. that people won't need or use. Hundred percent. Yeah, and I mean, that's it. Just, you know, I'd, I'd imagine if you'd have got this out a year ago, you know, it's not necessarily the actual product itself. It's not GoFounder as a product. It's the value that, yeah, you know, it's correct. the content within it exactly. that people will you know, appreciate. And that could have been on a, you know, it could have been in Google Drive, you know, it could have been anywhere. Yeah. You know, it, you know, it just, just needs to be somewhere that people can, you, know, you can add value. And this is the other side of investment that I find interesting. I I have a lot of phone calls where I just, I like helping people if I can, so I'll quite happy have free phone calls with people. Um, diary permitting and I had a guy ring me and uh, got an idea it's unique it's gonna be it's gonna rip it up it's like it's like uber but yeah you know it's gonna be the next big thing blah 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 and he he wanted half a million pounds investment that's why he's he, i've done the calculations i need half a million pound investment like, fucking hell half a million pound mate this is going to be mm. pretty impressive and then uh talks me through it and, and forgive me because i think i've mentioned this in one of my previous podcasts but within the space of like 10 minutes, I'd found basically something that you could plug into WordPress. So just a very simple plugin on a website that costs like $50. Yeah. And it it wouldn't do exactly what it was after, but it would do near enough. It would get him mm. started. And I was like, what are you on about? Like, yeah. just do this. And I, and I guarantee, I'll have to check in with him. I'll have to dig out his message and, and check in with him. But I guarantee you won't have done that. No. Um, but he could have had, a, he could have had an MVP there, tested it. Got, even proved it was working and then if you really really think it is 500 million needed at least you've got a, something to ask for it off the back of but just kind of like speaking to people like, i need half a million pound you're not going to get it mate no that's that's it. a lot of money yeah and it'll probably still be at development stage of course because if, if he had a product background as well that's what tends to happen when you've got a founder who's product orientated that's what they'll focus on 
yeah. they won't focus on is there a market for it? Is there something else out there that does this already? Can we get yeah? Can we get it out as soon as possible? And that's where it almost helps if you've got someone in the business who's more sales focused from the start. Hundred oh, percent. Yeah, I can't emphasize that enough. I wish I had. Oh, everyone does. I mean, Christ, everyone wants yeah. a star salesman, don't they? But yeah, um, I just had to learn to do it. And then, same with you. Yeah, you'll have, you'll have had to just learn to sell yourself. Yeah, because yeah. You know, you're not. There's also a misconception, I think, in the startup community that you'll be able to hire a salesperson and they'll just rip it up. They fucking won't. No. I tell you, good salespeople are rare because they'll be getting paid a crazy amount of money somewhere. Yep. And often there's no one who can sell a product like a founder. Yeah. So it's more, I'd say sales is one of the most important hats a founder needs to wear. And, and anything else, you know, you can get, you know, the finance side, you can get a good accountant to manage yep. the finances. You know, there are other people that you can get to manage the other areas, but sales, I think, until you get to a certain size, and even then maybe, right, the founder right. might always be the, the, the right person to be selling. I, I always, the, the area that I, in the business that I always saw the most with was was sales. Not not because we couldn't get sales, we, we did really well, but it, a lot of it fell on me. Yeah. And there's a few times I tried to pass that on or hire people, and it just didn't work out. And yeah. They, whether that was because they needed more time, um, which is fair, but then when you've got you know a fifty grand a year deal, who do you give, who do you give it to? Do you give it to the new salesperson who's probably going to have a twenty percent chance of converting it, or do, you, do I do it and I've probably got an eighty percent? Yeah, and, you know, so you have to you have to bleed them in, so you have to start them on the the, the low low hanging fruit, but then it takes time, but then they might be gone by then because yeah. they might not be very good or they might have got a better offer or whatever so it's it's a tough tough role to fulfill sales it is tough and yeah and, and a lot of times when i've seen it work you know at its best is where the founder is the person who does the marketing side so they're they're the ones in front of the camera they're the ones you know doing the promotional videos and, and things like that and they've got other people to then deal with hopefully the leads that come in off the back of that yeah they're sort of like admin <clears> yeah but they've already so the people who are coming in then have already seen that person yeah. they they understand a bit about the product and they're already kind of coming in warm. They're not, yeah. you know, you're not chasing that lead completely cold. Yeah, because I think that's what's quite interesting about LinkedIn as a platform is because mm. I very much started, it was very cold outreach in my first business, usual story of emails, calls, all that drudgery. But then when I started to actually try and be a bit more of a face of a brand and put myself out there and put content out there on LinkedIn, yeah. Um, that's when the leads started coming to me. So we were still doing Google ads and all that because you have to, but it made it far easier and cheaper yeah. to just generate content. Yeah. And I think people are in a rush to generate sales as well. With something like LinkedIn, you've got to accept that it's probably not going to do anything for six to 12 months. It's just a hobby in it really. Yeah, it's a hobby. Content it, hobby basically. Yeah. And if you can, you know, I've had posts that, that I've got no likes on, but someone's messaged me off the back and said, thanks for that. If you can add value to one person's day, great. And they might never become a client. Yeah. But, you know, they'll they'll notice you and, and you know, if they then see someone with a problem that you can solve, they'll they'll potentially refer you, but it does take time. Yeah, it does, yeah. Um but it can become a free source of leads, really, 100%. can't it? Like because yeah. you know, bloody hell, we were spending thousands of pounds every month on Google ads. Yeah. Obviously had a return for us, which was great, but it's a fucking lot of money. Whereas if you can generate something and it and it you know the the content you're putting out there is generating those well that's a bloody saving there if you yeah. if you can do it yeah but don't get disheartened if it doesn't happen you know no. just keep going it's consistency usually that gets it well and that's it and that's the other thing i said so uh speaking to someone i know who's 
starting a subscription service. And I, and I said, well, look, you know, you, you do just need to get your first customer. If you can get your first customer, you know someone will pay you money for it. That's, that's like rule 101. Yep. But then if you get one and, and you need, say, 100 to make it sustainable, even just as a lifestyle business, mm. if you can get one, there's, you, can get, you can get a fucking 100 people in the world to, to sign up if you can get one. Like, yep. You can't have made a product that only one person wants. That's it. And it's yeah. as simple as that. That's, what, that's why I personally love the subscription model businesses because it's just so predictable and sustainable and you, you can really you can grow and you don't have to like you don't have to go astronomical and scale you can just plod and build and and do a, you know do a really good job and, and make a great audience yeah that's it and and you know bring it back to the, the numbers it's getting to that day and i had it recently with a client who you know a couple of years in and they've now reached monthly profit so Amazing. they're into profit for the for, for the first time in that that moment when you when you yeah. pass over and all of a sudden the cash is rolling in and yeah because it's like um the sort of crossover, don't they? Because you, you know, if you if you're monthly subscription, you're gonna have either product or service base or, or, or software, yeah. and it's gonna cost you X a month, and you're gonna be getting a client at ten pound, twenty pound, thirty pound a month, and it's not gonna be worthwhile mm-hmm. effectively until you get a certain number of them, and yeah. then all of a sudden, everything over that line is basically profit. Yeah, some some margins of scale that you'll need to improve, obviously. Yeah, but but yeah, there's that crossover point. It's like shit. Get to that. Everything after that is in your pocket. That's but, it effectively isn't it yeah you've got the cash rolling in it's all coming and organically and at that point you don't you're not chasing investment it's yeah. just if if you do need or you want to accelerate that then that's then that's the time you've got and that's a strong much stronger position to be 100%. in because you've got you've got a viable product you've got clients you've got you know you've got a business that, that's making profit and that's where you can almost demand the the kind of valuation that you that, that you want at that stage because you know you've proved it and give away less equity and, and when they come in and, and this, they've got their own ideas you probably also have that confidence to push back and go no fuck off because i've built it to this stage without you yeah i just want your money yeah and that because that's something to think about if you are thinking about investment into it, is like what do you want you know do you want someone who's just going to give you some money which i'm sure we all would yeah but it that could that could also be at your own detriment because you, again i know somebody who's had a hell of a lot of money um invested but it was quite hands-off and actually in hindsight i think that was a negative for them yeah. because they didn't get asked those awkward questions which yeah. would have made them accountable and i think probably might have saved their business mm-hmm. yeah so. and in hindsight if they'd have done a, a forecast you know they probably you know they might not have needed the money anyway. yeah 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 so they could have kept the equity themselves and just do it organically you know carry on going as you've as you've been going there's no you know there's no harm in doing that it doesn't make you a a, a poor business or a bad business owner if you just try and do things organically you don't have to go for investment and that but that in itself i think is probably the nutshell of why i think the attitude to investment is negative because i think or is a negative thing is because people feel like they're not a proper business owner if they haven't done investment whereas actually you're a better business owner arguably if you haven't, to some extent, uh, I agree. There's a lot of variation in that to argue, but you know, if, it shouldn't be, you shouldn't be frowned upon for not having got investment. That's an amazing achievement, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, yet we seem to be obsessed with celebrating these Series A rounds, Series B rounds, and uh, the, the again, the part of that is most businesses don't get investment. Yeah. So if you're sat at home listening to this and you're thinking you haven't got investment, should you get investment? Most, I think it's ninety nine percent of businesses don't get investment. So you might see all the things on Dragon's Den, you might see all these things about these raises, but invariably, 
they're in the minority and a lot of them are tech companies who need colossal amounts of investment to scale yeah and i'd argue most don't yeah that's it truth be told isn't it that's it but again you know they've they've seen these programs they've read the articles you know investment looks looks sexy so we'll we'll go for it and yeah i mean my, my first question to any client looking for investment is just why you know that's the first one is you know why do you need it yeah and if you if if the numbers show that you don't need it then don't go for it you're yeah. just going to be wasting all that time when you could be spending it in many different areas building the business yeah getting 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 new customers and keeping current customers happy ultimately isn't it? that's it yeah so something i find really interesting is when people get investment inevitably spunk it up the wall yeah and even with that investment i am going to confess you know i have wasted a lot of my own money when i've been growing a business because you are learning yeah. but it seems to be worse when it's someone else's money mm -hmm. obviously you're sat in a unique position to probably give a nice commentary on this but yeah what some of the, sh the shit spends that people have done what have they wasted the money on yeah i think you see them a lot in terms of on linkedin you'll see you know startups spending money on you know daft massive offices that they just don't need you know yeah. when you've got a team of five people you don't need a huge office you don't need a pill table you don't need you know games machines it's just a complete waste of money you know you could be using that money and spending it wisely in in, in growing the business in other areas you know it's just it, again it's, it's office, not office spaces sorry to interject are yeah. dead money out there like 100 percent. I, I i really struggle with this and from day one of setting up i've never really got it like look don't get me wrong we all love to work in glass walled offices. Yeah. But the I think why I saw through some of the bullshit with that is I used to work as a, a copper in a fucking dingy ass office, but it was fucking laugh. Yeah. Went as and worked as a city lawyer, one of the big law firms in a glass office, and the office was fucking dull as shit. So I, I've always kind of been like, uh, it's not all about your office, it's about kind of what you're doing and who you're with and all that sort of stuff. But you know. Bloody hell, people are paying like two grand a month for a windowless office because it's in the city centre. Yeah. You're off your head. I know. Like, it's absolute mental money to waste when that's two grand a month, either on marketing, which will get you new customers, which then you can grow your business quicker, and then then you can get your office. Yeah. I've always struggled with that. Baffles me. And it's the it's the timing of it as well. I mean, go and get if you're a startup, go and get a space outside a yeah. little bit outside of town. Yeah. You'll pay a fraction of the price, but like you said, you'll be able to keep more of the money in your business or spend it on things that are going to going to help you grow yeah because that's it because that, that's fundamentally isn't it an office is not going to help your business grow no and i don't people can argue that all day long they're wrong yeah like, an office doesn't help your business grow. that's it i can kind of understand it in a service industry where yeah. people are everything to you but as a product-based business it's not gonna yeah it's you know people are important obviously but the space that, you, that those people surround themselves isn't necessarily because most of the time they're just glued to the laptops anyway. Yeah, and, and it's one of them, you know, even in the service-based businesses, if you are open with the staff and say, look, well, we can have an office outside and I can pay you this. Yeah. Or we can have an office inside and I'll pay you that. I'll tell you what they'll do. They'll take the fucking money because, like you said, they're only going to be in, in, the, in four walls in an office with a laptop. So as long as it, you know, not saying work in a like, bloody hovel, yeah. but, but still somewhere nice. But just the the rather the money in the pocket, the rather save ten pound parking a day and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, is, is the truth, isn't it? That's it. I think another area as well, and this might be another controversial one, but awards nights. Oh mate, don't stand me on this. <laughs> it's just the biggest be pile of bullshit out there. Yeah, absolute uh, piss. I mean, there's very 
you know, there's probably only a couple of really credible ones. The mm. rest are just there to, you know, nominate you. Therefore, can you spend ten grand on a on a table or whatever to take to take your team? And what's it what is it for really? I mean, do do are your potential clients really that bothered that you won some Manchester Awards thing for Correct. tech startups? It's not. It's no. not important. I agree. And I, so I, so it's interesting. So I think with those, again, it's 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 a marketing budget spend. So if if you think spending two thousand pound at an award that you may or may not win is going to get you at least two thousand pound back in the kitty, crack on. Yeah, by all means. Yeah, um, we were up for one of the Federation Small Business Awards, Technology Business of the Year. Cost note to apply. If we wanted to go to the for the meal, it was hundred pound each. Yeah, only took me and my missus two hundred quid. Yeah. So for me, I was like two hundred pound marketing spend on the chance we win it, and I can put. Even though it's only local, I can put technology business of the year on my email signatures. Yeah. I'll do that. Yep. When unexpectedly won, I must have had a good day writing that day when I was writing the application, which <laughs> probably no one bets. Um, there's a little hint for you. Um, and yeah, and so for us, it's like 200 quid. So it was a, it was a night out. Me and my haven't been on a night out in years because we've put all our money back in the business. So yep. it was a little bit of a treat for us. Yeah. £200 market spend, got to say technology business of the year in then really tiny right in Northwest Federation of Small Businesses. Yeah. So that was all right. But I still, and I did that knowing full well, most business awards are full of shit. Because yeah. because they're not vetted really, or, or a lot of them aren't. Yeah. You know, it's an application that you write yourself, so you, you can kind of write what you want. Um, but invariably, most business awards, you pay a shit ton to enter, don't you? Yeah. Shit ton to enter. Shit ton to actually go to the event. Yeah. You know, plus drinks on the night and stuff, you know, it can absolutely rack up. And then yeah. you, you look at it, you know, three, four months down the line and think, what do we actually get from that? Yeah. Yeah. And you may not have even won. Yeah. That's it. You might spend two grand and be nominated for an award that no one's ever heard of. Because yeah. with respect, like I'll have never heard of any of the awards that you could win as an accountant. Yeah. You'd have never heard of any of the cybersecurity or technology awards that I would possibly win. Like, yeah. I, I'm struggling even to mention one of the well-known ones. <laughs> that, yeah. That's the truth of it. Because there are that many, because it, it is itself an industry, obviously. Yeah, that's it. And I, get, I think the only time, and you, you kind of mentioned it already, the only time that it's, it is worthwhile, other than being a, a small spend, is if if you're going to something that your target market are at, fair right. enough. So I've yeah. got a client who work in the music industry. You know, they're a marketing business, but they're solely focused on artists and, and they go to lots of music events. And they're not up for any awards. They just go because yes. you know, they know it's a potential opportunity to yeah, win business. And that's great. Yeah, because but that's that you've got to think of it as a marketing spend. Yeah. I think too many people approach it with a vanity angle of thinking, oh wow, we must be doing amazing to be nominated. No bullshit. They're just after your money. Yeah. So just think of it as a pure marketing play and then that's fine. And then business awards aren't a bad thing. Yeah. If you're thinking them in, in any other light, they they can be or probably are. So spending money on on travel when it's unnecessary, you know, to go abroad and things like that when yeah. you when you're not ready is 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 a, is a big one. You know, it just seems like a waste of you know, you could have had that, you know, in the day of Zoom and things like that. You can you can speak, but you don't necessarily have to go to America because, you know, all tech startups are in America and you need to have a presence there. It doesn't. Loads of that, though. Yeah, that's it. Like, we've got to go to the big events in San Fran. Well, dear, like, is that going to make a massive difference? It's kind of help, obviously, some businesses, but yeah, it's a big expense. Yeah. But if you're going to be a, if you're a product-based business, for example, you can't be, you know, you could potentially have clients all over the world. You can't be traveling to every country. No. You know, you're going to waste an absolute fortune on, on travel. We even, so obviously most of our clients were in the UK. We had we had some in America and Europe and abroad, you know, further abroad than that. But most of our clients were UK. And it got to the point where 
when they wanted to just do pitches, it was like, I've got to travel to London. Probably have to stay over depending what time of the pitches and stuff like that. I just got to the point where I started saying no to a lot, particularly ones who were under a certain threshold. Yeah. If there was a big name, then yeah, I might go down and, and do a bit of schmoozing and whatever. But otherwise, it's just pointless. So we did, you know, 99% of our sales were all just Zoom. Yeah. And that's to massive, you know, some big household names. Mm. I didn't give a shit because it saved them time as well. No. Inevitably, the ones that I went to do face-to-face, I didn't get anything from. I remember I went face-to-face three times to... Uh, British gas, thinking, fucking if I land these, I have made it minted. Another one was Royal Bank of Scotland. Um, went up to Scotland two, three times. That obviously my business paid for when we had nothing, we didn't, you know, didn't have a pot to piss in really. Yeah. And you're chasing these big deals. And obviously, if one of them comes off, happy days. But if it doesn't, you just, just you know, it's a grand down the pot, isn't it? And that could have been spent on actually just getting some smaller customers and, and getting some money made. Yeah. That's it. Um, another thing I see a lot of, which is a massive waste of money, it's kind of linked to what we said earlier about the sort of non-execs, but getting in the consultants or the experts who they've worked at a big name company. Yeah. So by virtue of working at a big name company, they must be ace. Well, no, because again, what we said earlier, if they haven't started a startup mm. and gone from zero to a million, if they joined that company at, you know, when that company was already turning over 10 million quid, they're probably going to be pointless. Yeah. They're probably going to have no relevant experience for you. That's it. But yeah. I see it all the time. Yeah, but that's where a credible investor should be questioning. Yeah, and stuff say like, like yeah, why have we got him? Go on LinkedIn and find the guy who got from zero. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it just doesn't match the stage that they're at. Correct. What else yeah. do you see? So, I mean... I think just flipping it as well, I see some investing in, mar- in marketing that, that isn't right for their, their business. So again, it, it all comes back down to not knowing their target market. So yeah. they're just firing off campaigns at everyone and, and wasting. Yeah, I get it. You know, trial something, see if it works. But if you're not aiming it at someone, it's probably not going to work and it is just a waste of money. Yeah. So just work out who your, who your target market is. You know, a lot of them, a lot of startups, especially when they get investment, they just think, well, we have to be doing something. Yeah. So we'll just fire things out and, and hope for the best. And there's only a certain amount of time you can do that before people are going to start asking questions. And it all comes back in the, it does come back in the numbers in terms of, you know, the leads and well, you can things see, that yeah, you're getting it through. Lie, does it? Because no. you can go, well, we spent £100,000 on marketing and we've got £1,000 worth back. Great. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's because you were doing bloody bus adverts. Do you know what I mean? And you're yeah. selling something that shouldn't have, never be on the side of a bus. Yeah, it's just not, not relevant to... Especially, yeah. I think, if you've got something that's a genuine product or service that is valuable which christ you should have if, it, if you're starting a business but we're in a day and age where it's so easy to measure particularly with like facebook ads and all that you know you can go on there do a bit of a b testing spend a thousand pound probably but by, by, by the end of that thousand pound you should have pretty much nailed a handful of different adverts and different audiences that get you x or y return based on x or y spend yeah good or bad so it might be you're spending ten pound, and your product, you, you know, your profit margin, and what you're going to sell isn't even worth it. Well, at least you know that's a terrible way to get business, or your product's going to be too too cheap, yeah. or whatever it, you know, whatever it might be. But you should be able to get a really good handle on on an audience and your product, and what adverts types will work yeah. with 
I, I think a thousand pound is what you need to get a really good handle on that. And you can do that yourself. You don't necessarily need to pay. You could you could figure that out with Canva, make a few of your own ads and just test the fuck out of it. But actually look at the data and Yeah. Uh, that's the that's the big one. That's what people do, don't do, innit? They they just run a load of ads, spunk loads of money. They're kind of looking, oh, that's converted to three. Yeah, but it's cost you five hundred quid. Yeah. That's it. Or they're looking at the wrong stuff. It's like they're looking at you know how many people visited our website well who cares if they're not, no, not if, if they just visit it and then leave after three seconds what's the what's the point all, all you're really interested in is what how many credible leads came Correct. through because like uh, yeah because almost visits to the website is almost a sort of bus advert analogy really it's like yeah they've seen you yeah and I, yeah i've heard all the stats about they need to see your brand eight times before they buy all that that's great when you're a brand yeah but when you're starting out the only thing that matters is conversions. Don't get caught up in the, yeah, but those 200 people who visited the website might become a customer in six months. Well, they probably fucking won't. No. So just focus on the actual conversions right there, right then. That is what matters, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think going back to the wasting money, we've already we've already mentioned it, but hiring salespeople as well too early. Yeah. And spending a fortune on a salary that, you know, it's probably not going to be right for both parties. Yeah. So that salesperson doesn't really understand your business because you 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 don't you don't. Yeah. You know, you're a startup, you're a founder, you're still finding your feet, but you're hiring someone on 40, 50k to, you know, plus commission to 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 sell stuff and they don't really know what they're selling. And he, and it, the mistake I made, I hired someone like on half that as a like a business development executive, thinking that if I hired someone whose sole job was to send out LinkedIn and do cold calls and go to networking that that would work and that that was my own naivety because it it didn't now fortunate enough that person came in and they were they were fantastic at a lot of the other parts of the business so actually what I did was I gave them stuff that I was doing and then I went and did that which is which is obviously what I should have done yeah in hindsight yeah but I, I hear and talk to so many people who do the same thing because they think I've got something I know it'll sell or it has sold. So all I need all I need to do is get a business development executive or a sales executive. Yeah. And it'll just take care of itself. And it's like it's just not it's just not even remotely near no, is it? You know? No. And because because, you know, it is gonna take some time for you to explain to that person, you know, what the business is, who you're aiming at in the first place. And that that usually doesn't happen. It's usually people hire a salesperson. You give them a little bit of training for a week maybe and then they think right i'm going to go and do all the other stuff in my business and let them sell and yeah that's it what I doesn't did. it doesn't work no, that's what i did i <laughs> guarantee it don't work yeah, yeah that's it, it. Done, though, because you know you, you you're probably unfairly setting them up to fail aren't you yeah you know that's definitely. not through one of them trying either no um you're expecting almost them to become this amazing salesperson but again i go back to what i said earlier if they were that good they won't be coming to work for you truth no. be told because they'll either They'll either be in a corporate where they're getting crazy money because salespeople can earn crazy money, yeah, or they'll just set their own thing up. Um, the flip side is if you are starting a business and you've got a mate who's in sales and he's amazing, you should consider possibly taking them on. Yeah, not taking them. I mean, going in with them, you know, yeah, giving them equity, going co-founders, whatever, because. If you think sales isn't your forte and you know someone who's ace at it, mm-hmm. that could be the difference between make it or break it kind of thing. Yeah, but again, they have to buy into the concept as yeah, much as you yeah, do. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, if they're not, if they're not really bought in, you're wasting your time. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good summary of some of the uh, mistakes that people make. Yeah, I, I think I've made all of those, <laughs> um, but people will continue to. So I, I've enjoyed this, just trying to shed a bit of light on 
guess some of the bullshit around investment we're not saying investment's bad obviously no. it has a purpose um, but it's just trying to be brutally honest about it because I don't think people are no and just asking yourself first do I really need this because you know it is going to be it's going to be a lot of work it's going to be a headache it's going to take you away from other from other areas that you, that you could be focusing in and you, know, you might look at the numbers you know if you were to be honest with yourself of where the business is going and you might not you might not need it in the first place that's martin raftery founder of agency cfo for some startup funding is something that's often seen as the holy grail and for others it's an area of a lot of confusion but did you know that less than one percent of startups actually get any funding whatsoever the truth is, you read about it in the news, you watch it on Dragon's Den, because the numbers tend to make it sound a lot sexier than it actually is. But you don't have to have funding in order to build a successful business. I didn't. Sure, it might help in certain circumstances, but remember, getting investment is not essential, and it doesn't equate to success. Making money does. Thanks for listening to this episode. Please do remember to subscribe and please do leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. It really does help us. And you can also find out more about our startup community over at gofounder.com where we can even help you decide if you really need funding or not. Special thanks to Martin Raftery and of course to you for listening to Business Knobs from GoFounder. Founder.